Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben off the cheek. This is William. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. You're home for, well, everything Chelsea. And another exciting one we are bringing to you guys at a quick turnaround um, as always, Brandon, host, Nick, Dan, gentlemen, welcome. Dan, we have, uh, oddly enough, a new signing outside <laughs> of a transfer window. Of course. That we get to talk about. Well, look, why do it during the popular times, right, Nick? <laughs> why do it during a January window? Why do it during the summer when you have a transfer ban you know, removed, you uh, appealed and win? Do it in February. Sign up here in February and no one expects it. it. It's really all about having the media attention on you. And so if there are no other signings to talk about during a period, then you basically have the news cycle to yourself, which is, I think, what's happened here. Well, we have some interesting analysis on this. But look, um, we have Ziek signed from Ajax, super dynamic winger. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you have seen the stats and the player maps and everything that goes with it. Uh, so we, as an audio medium, are going to take a different approach to it. And in order to do that, we wanted to bring someone in who has a lot more of a base when it comes to the Eredivisie uh, and Heikem Ziek and everything that goes along with them. So we have Michael from the Football Orange. I guess I don't know how to spell it, pronounce it in the Dutch language, but Michael from the Football Orange podcast uh, joining us to help. Thank you for helping us out. We need it. No, no, that's no problem. Um, 
if if anyone's interested in, in Dutch football and English language, make sure you come over to have a look at what we do at footballarania.com. Um, Arania. 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 No, yeah. We see you do I, I some... Think- just some stuff with Love Sport Radio. Obviously, the Chelsea Fancast boys are over there. So a lot of crossover, a lot of love. But we'll definitely add links uh, to everything over there as well, um, which is what we're excited about. So Michael's expert, Dan, Nick, and myself are going to lob questions and see what we can learn about our newest <laughs> signing, Ziek. Um, So, yes, obviously didn't do any signings during the transfer windows when the registration period is open. Uh, but just kind of weird to me that um, that it would get announced now. Usually teams would want to hold the cards close to the chest, wait until the season's over because, I mean, Michael, sometimes this can be an unwelcome distraction, but I think because it's Ajax and this is just what they do, it's really not going to make a big deal for them, will it? No, I reckon that they were trying to organize this transfer in January, but then perhaps they... As, as all Dutch clubs do, they want to protect their best players. They want to keep them for as long as possible. Um, and it's only natural that they probably drew out the negotiations over January um, so that they'd be agreed after the window and they'd move them on at the end of the season. Most players, uh, most of the best players in the Dutch league will wait until the summer to make their move. They always seem to go in um, cycles over years and they're, they're always happy to announce that they're moving on um, before summer as well, whether that's managers or players. They always seem to agree things uh, before that July, August sort of period. So I'm not surprised by um, the timing of this at all. They've already started a countdown. They're like 100 or so days left <laughs> of enjoying Ziyech. And <laughs> I find that to be interesting. My big concern with this, Nick, is why it didn't get done in January. And I have to assume that they're like, all right, you can sign them for 90 in January <laughs> or you can have them for 36 in the summer. Like to me, that seems like the only plausible reason why this deal wasn't able to get done in January. Yeah, it, it's a strange one, right? I mean, we fr- Frank mentioned how many times throughout the the registration period that Chelsea needed to be strengthened. They needed strength up front, whether that was a striker or as another dynamic playmaker like Ziyech is. Uh, Michael, this this was one that I think would have been welcome with open arms if it would have been completed in January, but. Um, I am interested as to, you know, maybe you can provide a little bit more uh, context as to how IX do their business because they're, they're a well-run club. I know that Ten Hag uh, spoke really eloquently about um, the, the impact that Ziek has made on, on their team. Maybe just talk a little bit about how they do their business uh, and, and, you know, why this might've come up now instead of, uh, instead of later. Sure. Because, um, Ajax will have probably already started their search for the player who replaces him in the team and as it turns out it's um, going to be Anthony the Brazilian attacking mm-hmm. midfielder that was agreed once Ziek was sold so already they've got the next player in place is going to come in come in the summer there's lots of time to prepare for the next phase how Ajax will play um, yeah I think with it with it being dragged out to the summer like I say it's just the way that Dutch clubs run. Um, and there's a lot of players that are in the same boat. I won't be surprised if, say, Donny van der Beek as well, often linked with Real Madrid. Uh, he's moved on like that sort of April time. We saw with Frank de Jong last year that he agreed a transfer to Barcelona a long time ahead. But it didn't, didn't affect him. Like it won't affect Ziyech. He'll be looking forward to join Chelsea. 
but it won't affect how he plays with Ajax. And I think if anyone can get a chance to watch Ziet play, whether that's in the Eredivisie or the Europa League before the end of the season, um, they should definitely do it because it's a fantastic watch. Well, I, I think in, in my mind, Michael, that's why you don't didn't see you know, Ziyech leave before the end of the season, right? You know, obviously getting knocked out of the Champions League and going into the Europa League and then also being top of the table in terms of the Eredivisie this season, uh, plenty of opportunities for silverware for Ajax this season still. So imagine you wouldn't want to leave, let a prolific attacker leave at this point in the season when they also have some things that they want to accomplish as well. No, Ajax definitely want to be keeping their best players in, uh, in tats because if, if they just lost Ziyech at this point in the season, there will be no one to directly replace him. Um, it's a lot of their magic just gone out of the team. They wouldn't want to just lose it without getting ready for it in the summer. So like I say, they didn't actually plan to let him leave in January. I wouldn't have thought that there was any chance of him going. Um, hence that whole sort of 90 million uh, transfer fee uh, towered around. Yeah, because I think they would have said, well, you can have him for a really extortionate amount of money or you can wait till the summer where <laughs> we would want to lose him. Yeah, it, it, and we see that a lot. That's why the January transfer window is the worst transfer window to do business. Mm-hmm. And we avoided a pitfall. The hostage but market. It's yeah. true. Look, it also makes sense. Right now, we saw Pedro and William, right? We saw Calum hudson we saw Pulisic. There are going to need to be departures come this summer in that area. So it's also would kind of be an unnecessary thing to bring him in right now without moving people out. So anyways, as we get back to Chelsea's announcement uh, on uh, Ziyech, they say, a Moroccan international, Ziyech is a left-footed attacker who is comfortable playing off the right flank and coming inside, as he has often done in recent years to such devastating effect for Ajax or on the left to attack with width and deliver into the box. But don't take our word for it. Let us play you Frank Lampard's comments. Uh, Credit to the Fifth Stand app. If you've not downloaded it, it is the official app of Chelsea FC, and there's way more content like this on there. I asked you a few questions about uh, hacking Ziyech earlier this morning, so I won't ask him anymore. But but just... What can Chelsea fans look forward to seeing when he plays for the club next season? Well, I think uh, quality in what he's got in terms of the ability to make assists and score goals. Uh, I've spoken a lot this season about games where we've maybe had a lot of ball but haven't had that final bit. Um, and I think hopefully he's a player next season that, that can bring us with the quality as with his crossing passing, like final pass um, and shooting and scoring. So, yeah, you know, he'll, he'll have to obviously uh, fit into the way we want to work here. We want to work off the ball and the energy we want in our team, um, as everybody does. But the quality he's got, hopefully, will be there for the fans to see. And was his performance in the 4-4 draw at Stamford Bridge, was it that night that you decided we need to sign this guy? Or you've been no. watching him for a long time? <laughs> not, not, not quite. I've been watching him a lot. And... Uh, <coughs> I referenced you earlier about the, the Champions League run they had last year. I was particularly impressed when I saw him play uh, against Tottenham uh, at Wembley um, in that game, and um, and I've followed him pretty closely since. And since then, I've done a you know a lot. Of, I've watched him a lot and know about him because it's important that we're bringing good people that want to go the way we're going or trying to go. And um, so yeah, he ticks lots of boxes. I'm delighted that we're in a position where we can say he'll be our player next season. All right, so obviously. Uh, Lampard is excited. He's been talking about the dynamism and the creative player that we lost in Eden Hazard uh, and trying to fill that gap. But instant reactions. Um, I think 
Michael, all of us in the Chelsea community are excited. I feel like we got an Angolo Conte type deal financially, 36 million. We've spent more on Danny Drinkwater. All right. So this is kind of a big deal for us. But what about from your perspective, Ziek transitioning from the Eredivisie to the Premier League to a team like Chelsea in a bit of a state of transition? How do you kind of see and maybe rate this deal? Um, I'm really, really pleased for the player, first of all, because Ziek deserves this. It's, it's bizarre how no one has taken a chance on him until now. He's 26, and normally a player leaves the Netherlands a little bit... Uh, sometimes it can be a little bit too early when they're 20 or 21 years old, but often if they want to grow as much as they can in the Dutch league, they'll wait until they're 23, 24 absolute latest. But, you know, 26, this guy's at his peak, um, and he's only moving on now. It's a surprise to me that they've kept him so long. I know that Ajax weren't trying to keep him, though, and Ziyech said he's happy at Ajax, but at the same time, he... He didn't want to. He didn't want to leave every single opportunity. Years ago, when he first started out with Head and Vane, he got a transfer to FC Twente. Um, at the time, they were a very big club in the Netherlands. Um, they had a lot of financial backing behind them. He spent a couple of years there, and then after that, it was about 2016. He was then expected to make that transfer abroad to a big club in Spain or something like that. And it never happened. Um, and then it. It came for came for Ajax right at the end of the transfer window that summer, um, and they they almost like rescued him from Twente because he said himself that he's outgrown Twente, he's outgrown the league, he has learned all he can, and then all of a sudden he signs for Ajax to stay in the league. But yeah, it is still a step up. So then now it's his fourth season with Ajax. I think they expect him to spend spend a year, two years there, and then move on for a big fee, um, and he's just remained there the whole time. And it's it's bizarre how this. Guy who's been the best player in the Eredivisie, hands down, for like three, four, five years now, is still there. Um, he was linked with Spanish clubs like Valencia, Bayern Munich, one point, um, even Burnley about five years ago, believe it or not. Um, and now he's moved on now. Yeah, and uh, I just, I just think that is he ready for step up? Yes, he is. Um, there's plenty more I can say. I mean, he's been a bit of a, a glass cannon over the years. I think that. There were times where people doubted him making that step up, and that's why it may not have happened, because he he at one point was being criticised for not being good enough defensively. He's now proven that wrong, and he definitely is. He's played as a six as well as an eight, um, as well as a ten, and a right winger now. Um, he's just he's so creative. I think that he's going to absolutely love the Premier League. I think that not being the focus of like this almost the focal point of the Ajax team now that he's playing for Chelsea. He'll be one of many players who has special abilities. And I think that he'll have a bit more space, perhaps, to work in. I mean, you think that the Premier League, there's going to be a lot of people snapping at heels. There will be. But his form in the Champions League has shown that he can handle that. He's one of the Europe's best attacking midfielders, definitely, for me. Um, yeah, I'm sure I'll come to more of his game a bit later. Mm-hmm. But I definitely think he's ready for this step. That That is comforting news, right? Because we've... I think his Champions League form, Nick, really is what kind of makes most Chelsea fans comfortable because you have to understand the Eredivisie to the Premier League is a different league. It is a different opportunity. Um, but from your standpoint of it, knowing that whether we play a 4-2-3-1 and he's in that front three or if we're in a 4-3-3 and he's maybe out wide, um, I guess 
how have you been kind of processing it? Now, it's been a few days and we've had a lot of different ideas and theories thrown out there and even a lot of new Twitter profile avatars that are now King Ziek. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and as we know, that's all really important. Um, <laughs> I, um, I'm intrigued by this one, um, primarily because Chelsea have been linked with so many different types of players and and Ziek was not one of the 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 most frequently mentioned of, of that group. And now thinking about the transfer and all the noise and, and what that might do to a fee, like you can see the the strategy in, in doing that. Um, but I, but I'm certainly intrigued as to how he fits in a team that could potentially next year have the likes of Calum Hudson-Odoi, Christian Pulisic, um, potentially another big name that's still on our radar, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Mason Mount, you know, all, all of these kind of, um, more creative players uh, than than we have in the past, and I, I think it's all really exciting, Dan, to to think about the prospect of being able to rotate and not feel like there's going to be a drop off, which is I think kind of where we might be a little bit right now. Yeah, there's also the challenge of losing Pedro, losing William, and whether or not we think that they are in the. Uh, the ascendancy of their careers, which is not the case, they're more in kind of the uh, the the ending periods of maybe their time on on the biggest type of stage. There, there's going to need to be additions like Ziak here, and I think it's it's exciting. I mean, if you watch the the YouTube highlight reels and you see some of the best goals, we've obviously had a chance to see him score against Chelsea, which was pretty much the icing on the cake for him getting signed, scoring. Against Chelsea Automatic. in Europe <laughs> is basically the guarantee that a signature is going to go through. So exciting to see him kind of earn this opportunity. What a sliding glass door moment it would have been if he signed for Burnley. That that probably would have known a place <laughs> to watch his football career die. Um, that, that would just be too much creativity for them. Um, yep. But yeah, I, I think it's exciting. And I think ultimately, Brandon, like this is a this is the start of us kind of adding people with a little more experience to a side that, you know, really we've started to rebuild with uh, with the youth revolution. Now we're adding some of that experience, some of the pedigree, some people who are in in the prime who are going to be able to kind of bounce out that that youthfulness and maybe some of the, uh, the negatives that come with youth uh, with a little bit more experience. Yeah, so Michael, before we get in kind of the, the actual breakdown of the technical side of his game and some of the numbers... He's 26 at a club like Ajax. Does that make him a leader in the locker room on in, in his team and in that club? It does. Um, I just want to come quickly back onto the point of the fact that it's the Eredivisie we're talking about here. Um, I didn't fully cover that earlier. But yeah, if you're 26 and you're still playing in, in the Dutch top flight, then that may suggest you're not ready for that big move abroad. Um, and no, it's not the best league. It's not the quickest. Um but I think that for me, my decision for why he can make that step up is because um, of the, the time he spent at the club and his Champions League experience. And consider that Ajax are probably one of the best sides in Europe last season with that almighty team they had. As for whether he's a leader, yes, certainly is. Um, one of the things I, I'm going to mention today about just how much uh, of leader he's become this season, last season too, he wasn't before. I think in the past he... He's worn the captain's armband for FC Twente in the past, if I remember correctly, um, when he was very young. But na- now he's a calm head. Um, as an experience that I can kind of relate it to, um, I'm an Aston Villa fan and Jack Grealish is a captain there. 
But I wonder why he's a captain. It's because he's a Villa fan. Um, and I'm not saying Hakim Ziyech is an Ajax fan, but with an example such as Jack Grealish, I think that he's been chosen because he's uh, very vocal, but perhaps not the calmest leader. Whereas that was Ziyech at the time. Now Ziyech is a leader who is calm, um, but also leads by example uh, for the team. So he's a lot more reliable, I think is fair to say. There was a time where Ajax were going through a really tough period um, a couple of years ago, and he was one of the scapegoats of the Ajax fans. They were all pointing their fingers towards him, that he wasn't performing. Um, and how that's changed back in, into his favour. Um, I can't believe that was almost a couple of years ago that that was a lot of fans on his back. One well, really quick, uh, you know, I, I'm looking back at the Champions League performances, specifically the the Chelsea matches. H- how do you feel like he performed against a team at the level that he is now joining? Do you, do you think that he was as dynamic uh, as as he would potentially be for Chelsea? I'm not going to lie. I didn't watch the games against Chelsea. Oh, no. I watched the, the home match, uh, the one mm. on defeat. Um, yeah, I, he, he was he was okay that night. He he didn't score a lot of goals in the Champions League, I have to say. So that might be one, something that he'll, he'll want to work on um, on the bigger stage. Uh, but he's still at his creative best against the bigger sides. He isn't let's say, marked really well by a really uh, tough tackling defence midfielder, he actually just finds a space. If he's playing on the right, he'll just come inside if, if he's having a problem out in the wing. Um, he'll, he'll find a pocket of space around the penalty area, no matter it's in the middle or out wide, and he'll, he'll deliver a pass or a shot that will just seem like it's coming from nowhere. Um, there are times where he could perhaps shoot a little bit too much. But yeah, he, <laughs> I think, again, I might cover that a bit later, where he's, he's almost... Too keen to make the action happen, and you can shoot into the stands about five times in a row. Um, but yeah, <laughs> and that happened a little bit in the Champions League as well, where he was being a little bit too forceful, forcing the issue a bit too much. Um, but there's no denying that he's a creative force of that Ajax team. Look, not shooting enough is a problem. So if he wants to go ahead and open that up and just uh, teach that skill and that trait, I'm good with it, Okay. And then lastly, why I was interested in his experience is because that's when Chelsea were at our best. We had international captains. We had leaders on the team. And I think that that's a good balance that's something we should have in this team of young, inexperienced, up-and-coming players. If we can have 26-year-olds, you know, even Rudiger is (laughs) an experienced leader and he's young, that's only going to make this team that much better. And so that's what I love about it. And, you know, He's got a, a, a lot of really good experiences, specifically from last year in that Champions League run, um, and I'm excited about it. So we are going to take a really quick break. When we get back again, we're just going to break down him as a player, this his his player map, the stats, uh, and everything around it. And then we're going to play a little game of, hey, who might be coming in, who might be going out? What could our attack look like with Hakim Ziyech in the lineup? So thank you to the sponsor for the financial support. We will be right back. All right, so to kick off... Ziek is a player. Um, Copa 90 put a pretty cool Instagram post out, and they had a quote from Marcel van der Kron, And I apologize, Michael. I know I pronounced that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> he, he said about Ziek, quote, he let his feet do the talking and it handled and handled it all in his stride. And I think that has made him, end quote. What does that mean to you in relation to Ziek, Michael? He, he, he can play some good football. <laughs> That's what it means to me. <laughs> Um, he's let his feet do the talking. He, 
at one point was saying a lot of things, I think. And that's what I mean when he said, when I said he's come under pressure from the Ajax fans in the past um, and his latest feet to the talking, he has played some fantastic football. He doesn't think too much about the play. He just does what comes naturally to him. Um, very impulsive. Um, he's very direct with who he links up with, whether he makes the pass, whether he just goes for the shot. Um, and that really puts him and like, makes him stand out as a footballer for me. Dan, you've uh, put some pretty graphs and pictures in our script here. And uh, I would like to tee you up to maybe walk us through it. You can lead this section and and call out points that we should really be looking at that are impressive because some of this data from StatsBomb, like f- even from my first glance, is wildly impressive. Yeah, and we will go ahead and uh, for those who uh, need the visual component as well, we'll, we'll tweet out the elements from StatsBomb, uh, or you can just go uh, into Twitter and or to StatsBomb's website and search uh, ZEC and get some wonderfully detailed uh, radars and stats per 90. But, you know, I think a couple of the ones that caught my eye for his current seasons, this is the 2019-2020 season, uh, right now he is at uh, closing in on uh, four expect, you know, 0.4 expected goals per game off of 3.3 average shots per game, and then also kind of completing successful dribbles in the rate of kind of 3.2. Uh, I know, Nick, this is a lot of stats. It's not necessarily the eye test that you prefer, uh, but Michael, you know, does this kind of, do these numbers align with what you're seeing this season? That, he, you know, he's, it's, to me, reads that he is, again, just a impressive attacker who is getting the ball at his feet a lot and is putting himself in, in a position to uh, take a high number of shots and uh, converts at a, uh, a good rate. Yeah, the older he's got, I think the more trust he's just been given to play his game. Um, whether that is just allowed to just shoot more. Uh, I feel like a few years ago, I would almost uh, kind of complain. Oh God, he's saying, why are you taking a shot here? Like it's another one that you just sent over the bar. Um, but it, it works out for him that the risk that the risks that he take bring the rewards. He's not only just someone who just does a lot of shots. Uh, I've spoken that a fair bit. I feel like his, his assist game is, um, amazing. He's now for the fourth time in his career, the, the leading assister in the league. Uh, he's a leading assist in the league so far and I think he will continue to be to the end of the season he's done the same 2014-15 16-17 this is going over a long period of time um, he's just someone who can pick out a pass from anywhere on the pitch and particularly just coming in off that right hand side which he has been more this season um, playing as a right winger he comes in and he'll just unleash this this wonderful left foot and just bend it in every single time um, whether that's a shot or a cross, and it is ever so dangerous to deal with. But it's not as if that's his only way around it, because if then they try and block off that angle, he'll go on his right foot and then just hammer it into the near post. Um, and there's so many times I've seen that before where they've tried to show him to one one way, then he just goes on the other foot, and his weak foot is amazing. Um, there's very, very few ways to try and defend against him, because you can let him do something from the edge of the box. But if you go in and close him down, He'll either play a pass to somebody else and play a one-two and get in behind them, or often he'll just lay it off for someone who's more creative. But the thing is, by then pulling those people towards him, he's then creates space for his um, attacking teammates, and that's what just makes him so brilliant. And and again, I'm talking about something positive. He has been through rough rides in in his career, in times where he said the wrong thing or he's done the wrong thing or played poorly, and 
this is a guy who has deserved his transfer for a long time. He's a great player. Yeah, I think the the assists are an interesting point uh, for this Chelsea team. Um, you know, we, we're kind of looking at this through through blue tinted glasses, obviously, Michael. But there have been times this year where we have, uh, you know, Pulisic on the left and a William on the right, and um, for for as good as each of those players can be, even a Callum Hudson Adoy. We've lacked the the final ball in the final third to to set up Tammy Abraham or or to get another player involved. So maybe to speak a little bit more as as to what you think he can provide um, as a complement on, on the right, because it seems like that was kind of the primary you know rationale for Lampard to buy him was that extra creative flair in the final third. I I, c- I haven't watched Chelsea too much this season, but I have a feeling that he's not going to be playing too much off the right-hand side and he'll end up playing as a 10. Mm, interesting, um, okay. Personally, but there's not to say that he couldn't play as an 8 either. I don't think he's just been bought for one position. I really think he's going to be utilised in a few areas around that attacking area of the pitch um, because he just brings so much energy and I think he'll bring that to the Chelsea team where he fights to win the ball back. And uh, I'm trying to think of an area where Chelsea would need that most. And I know Mason Mount's a very good player. I watched him play for Vitesse. Um, a while ago uh, but I wonder you know, if, if Mount's out injured or if he just needs a game out then Ziyech can play in that 10 role um, so yeah I don't think he's just one position He's his passing is brilliant um, he's going to win the ball back loads I think he's nimble he's agile always trying to take players on so yeah he's dribbling and his um, his direct nature I think is what's going to be best used at Chelsea so Michael, yeah, you know, obviously we're espousing a fair amount of praise um, on Ziyech here. Where where do you think the biggest liabilities of his game lie currently? When he gets frustrated, when he's really annoyed at a game and he just cannot get it to work when the team's losing. Um, in the past, he's been more guilty of this, but this is what's made him special this season. and Maybe why Chelsea have decided to go for signing him now rather than, say, a couple of years ago. Um, before he'd always he'd always just uh, lose it and then just play a really rash pass or a really rash shot, almost trying too hard to make it happen. Um, now I say also in the past he'd he'd start complaining at teammates whenever it wasn't going right for him. So it's more temperament issues I'd say that end up leading to what he does on the ball. Okay, I think that's understandable. But I'm thinking your Burnleys, your West Ham's, your you know. The, the bottom half where like, we've seen they defend with 10 men in the box. Um, but maybe his directness will help open them up and things like that. But we've definitely had some frustrating times. Um, so that's fair. I, it does look like on his player map here that he tends to turn the ball over quite a bit. I think that's something that, you know, yeah. we've had issues with as a club, turning the ball over and not being ready to transition defensively and getting mm-hmm. uh, getting burned. So I think that's something we'll have to, to, to pay attention to. What I do love is his shot map is pretty much every single thing is within inside, um, you know, the 18-yard box, even more so inside the posts. He's getting into very dangerous areas. And, you know, to talking about the directness, I think that's something that's really important, uh, you know, for us to just keep in mind and try to make sure that we're continuing to drive – uh, those types of things forward, but um, how, uh, and, yeah, r- go. really quick, Michael. How, how are his free kick taking abilities? It looks like he has a fair amount of shots outside of the box here <laughs> on the shot map, and so I'm, I'm 
almost convinced that a lot of those are free kicks, but could you maybe talk about his set piece ability? Um, takes a lot of corners. Uh, free okay. kicks, yeah, he takes some, but he's not like the primary taker because I actually have a lot of free kick takers, uh, a lot of choices. Yeah, he, he, his shots just come from open play um, from outside of the box. It's interesting oh. you said about the turnover possession. He does lose the ball a lot, but that is just his game and mm-hmm. the amount of risks that he takes. So playing next to Frank De Jong last season, um, De Jong would always keep the ball and never lose it, whereas ZX completely opposite. He would lose the ball a lot, but he'd get high reward from what he tried to do all the time. Um, look, that's great. you know. And as long as we can get the midfield behind him sorted and we have you know people who can go back and win the ball, we'll be good. But that's a Frank thing. That's a different, that's, that's a different day, different discussion. So uh, as we move into you know what Chelsea might look like, Heading into next season, um, I guess I don't know if Morocco has any matches this summer. Obviously, they're not in the Euros. Um, he might have a full summer to really move to London, get settled, get into Cobham, meet Frank and the team. It's kind of seeming like a really positive situation, Nick. From you know, we talk about early signings statistically do better, obviously. Than end of transfer windows, like if you, it's all all purposes. It seems to be a good situation for Chelsea. Yeah, I think that's that's a it was a savvy move um, to kind of announce that now for him to come in on July first or whenever the first day is that that a player can kind of join their new team. Um, you know, I think this this team potentially heading into next year with a you know really competitive schedule potentially being in the champions league it just kind of makes that transition a little bit smoother uh you know i think what are your thoughts michael on on his ability to adapt to what will be a different style of play uh for for frank's team next year yeah i wonder because he uh, when he moved from twenza to ajax he was asked to go from a really attacking high at the pitch position in the 10 or the right wing and he then ended up playing this more as a six and it, that, that's what hindered his game to start with. Uh, he, he did struggle to adapt to it. And particularly how Ajax was such a big club. It take, took about six months to really settle in. Um, and then he was relied upon more for his attack, attacking magic rather than his, his ability to win the ball back and playing from deep. Uh, so that is a good question. He hasn't moved too many times in his career. So I can't say for sure about how adaptable he is. Does he speak English? Ooh, I... Don't think I've ever heard heard him speak English before, but considering he is Moroccan, but considering he was brought up in the Netherlands, I imagine he speaks very good English. With um, a lot of the country having a lot of English, or almost like um, it's almost around you, almost immersed in it. And when you're in the Netherlands, it's um, it's astonishing. So as we guys kind of puzzle piece this together, we know that Callum Hudson Roy is going to be there. Pulisic, Ziyech, we are pretty sure that Pedro William will be gone. I mean, William's probably like the, the the big one that's up in the air. And now, as we talked about Jaden Sancho and the fact that Chelsea are, you know, from everyone being reported, very interested in bringing him in. I think that'll decide kind of the William piece. I think, you know, Mason has played on the wing. He's played in the middle. It sounds like Ziyech is really going to be probably competing with Mason most closely versus a lot of other players, which isn't a bad thing. Competition raises levels, as we've talked about. But now having two people that can play in that role, you can have Callum 
and you know Christian on the wings with backups of William and Jaden Sancho, whoever, starting to kind of see how this goes. Obviously, we need another striker. We know that. Right now, Mishi's not doing the job. Olivier Giroud's probably going to go out. And why is, I bring that up? Because that could be interesting, Dan, if we're in a two-striker formation or a one, and then kind of how those creative supporting players behind the one or two fit in. At this point, yeah. we should just stockpile as many people as we can, right? I mean... <laughs> well, I mean, think about it. In addition to, to Sancho, there's also been the conversation around uh, Boga, who's doing bits in Italy right now and apparently is on Barcelona's radar. Uh, his agent says that they him met and William? with Chelsea. Double sweep. <laughs> him and William. Uh, met with Chelsea in December. Many clubs want him. It seems like they... Uh, wanted to try to get rid of the buyback clause that exists for Boga Nick. And, you know, I mean, we will need an additional uh, one, if not two attackers uh, in this team, uh, especially for losing both Willian and Pedro. But, uh, yeah, it could be a very, very different attacking lineup next season, highlighted by, uh, you know, the the young players with uh, a little bit more of a veteran in, in Zayek coming in. Yeah, I, th- I think Michael, as as we've talked all season about Chelsea, this is this will be you know our seventy ninth episode, so we, we've done quite a bit on this. Um, the the one that stand the, the stat that has stood out to us this season has been kind of shot conversion. You know, Chelsea are only second in the league uh, behind Liverpool and and the amount of big chances created, but our conversion rate uh, on those chances puts us. Um, in, in a really tough spot. So is, is Ziak a guy who, you know, outside of the large volume of shots that he takes, is he a guy that converts his, his chances or is this going to, uh, uh, extrapolate a problem that Chelsea currently have? I don't think it will be the thing that solves a problem. I have to be honest. Uh, but what, what he could provide, I suppose, is by creating more chances out, out on the wing, he's going to be putting a lot of, uh, better high quality deliveries into the box. Maybe that'll help the strikers out. But yeah, I can't say it's going to be the the solution to the problems because he's in an Ajax team where the same issue is true. And actually, they also have problems converting as many chances as they should do. I I will say what does excite me is the potential, if he is playing out in the right wing, for him and Reese James to connect with one another. Nick is got a little bit of the goosebumps action going on. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's obviously an area that we're we're looking at as, as one for the future. Um, you know, I'm, I'm also interested when a Ruben Loftus cheek comes back, you know, how, you know, his dynamism can kind of help carry the ball and create space for other players like Ziak. Um, Brandon, to me, that is a, a really exciting proposition. If, if Ruben is drawing defenders out of their, out of their, um, kind of defensive stronghold and makes, you know, kind of makes them come out a little bit. Where where Ziek might kind of find little pockets of space as a as a ten too, it could be interesting. Oh, uh, for sure. Uh, I, you know, there's obviously a lot that'll happen. I think between now and and the end of the summer transfer window, they're going back and forth. They just voted to extend it again. I don't know if that'll take effect this season or next season, but clearly the Premier League realized that by closing their transfer window first is stupid and puts them at a massive disadvantage. <laughs> um, and so I think a lot's going to be happening. But as Chelsea fans, I think we can be excited that the club are looking to do business. They are looking to be smart. Again, I can't stress enough, $36 million plus add-ons for a player like Ziek seems like a really, really good deal. 
And again, Michael, feel free to correct me if, um, you know, that's not the case because maybe his age or his contract situation, whatever. But I just, from a Chelsea standpoint, I'm so excited that the club are getting after early, even if we missed it in January. Uh, they're being proactive. They're getting deals done. And uh, I think that's something that just in the end, I'm I'm happy for. So again, is Michael, 36 million plus add-ons a reasonable uh, a fee, especially since we know there's a Premier League tax. Anytime someone comes in, you have to pay at least 20, 30% more than uh, another continental league. It's just, um, it's typically Dutch to just ask for the money that he's worth. Uh, in, in on, on Transfermarkt is rated as 45 million pounds his value and I'm not sure that is in euros I imagine it's around about 50 so they have paid a little bit under what was expected um, but yeah I guess in today's world that things can be really inflated with the, with the money it's about right in, in my opinion it's it's about money that it should be and it's also because I actually don't feel like they have to make a lot of money from him because he's given them so so much and they've already made a profit by selling him. So it, it all just ticks boxes for Ajax. So they probably didn't need to ask for another 10 or 20 million. I think they're stocked up with enough money already from like the likes of Matthijs de Ligt and Frank de Jong. Swimming in the money already. And they've already got their backup locked and secured. So damn, it's almost like they had a plan, Nick. What a phenomenal <laughs> idea that is. Unbelievable to replace a really important player immediately with a, a another player that you value highly. Um, obviously Chelsea couldn't do that this summer within Hazard leaving, but there's a, yeah, it's, it's an interesting proposition to, to see how Ajax is run and, and hopefully Chelsea are, uh, are starting to think a little bit more in that vein moving forward, Dan, because uh, you know, there are just a bunch, there's a bunch of uh, potential. We just got to kind of capitalize on it make sure that we, uh, complement our current players with the right types of experience. Yeah, I mean, we're probably looking at still needing three to four more additions over the course of the rest of the coming months. And, and who knows, maybe we'll just kind of announce a new transfer every month until the window hits and then we really don't have to do any extra podcasting during the summer. That would be nice. Uh, AK, you know, Chelsea, if you're listening, we would like that strategy. But, uh, you know, if, if you have to wait till the summer, that's okay, too. Well, I don't know. You guys are quite greedy. We announced three in the January transfer window. So uh, take what you can get. But look, Chelsea fans, uh, that is going to wrap it up on this Ziak special. Again, Michael, huge thanks. We obviously just connected very quickly and you're able to jump on. So uh, go follow him, uh, Air Divisi Mike. We'll put it out on social media and the football Orania. Uh, as well, check out all the things they're doing. Um, the Dutch League is a very interesting league, and it's exciting. So uh, at least at the top, is that fair, Michael? No, yeah, thanks for having me. Um, and yeah, the Eredivisie is such a good watch, and we've got loads of things going over on our website. So if, if Dutch football's your thing or you think it might be a thing, um, come and have a look at all the, the young talents that are in the league and all the goals that you get as well. Oh, that's great. We will definitely plug all that. Um, but a last little thing. Is there anything you'd like to close with, Michael, about this uh, Ziyech maybe as a player coming to the Premier League? Anything uh, that you want to sign off with? Yeah, so I just think that this is a move that Ziyech has done for a long time. Um, he basically joined the – he was starting to come out in the Eredivisie once I started watching the league properly. And uh, it's been a pleasure to watch him grow as a player and become the, one of the best attacking midfielders in Europe. I think Chelsea are getting, well, yeah, it is a bit of a bargain, isn't it, really, when you talk about the transfer fees, and I really hope they succeed. 
Well, that is about as positive. Makes four of us. <laughs> yeah, that's about as positive of a, of a thing as we can leave it with. So again, Chelsea fans, uh, thank you so much for listening. Check out Michael uh, and all of his work he's doing with the Adivisi. Thank you again, uh, Dan and Nick, for joining. Uh, tweet at us, Instagram, comment. Let us know what you guys think about this signing. We're super excited. Um, and it's good to get a balanced view of the upside and the downside of Hakim ZX. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.